Welcome to The Power Within Her. On this podcast, we're all about seeking self-empowerment to live a life that makes us excited. My name's Megan. I'm a nerdy and super enthusiastic writer and professor with a PhD in English. Together, we'll get intentional by embracing the power of critical thinking and personal growth to achieve those dreams on our hearts. Let's break free of societal expectations, create new stories that serve us, and have some fun with the process of growing into the type of women who embrace the incredible power and potential within ourselves. Are you excited? Let's do this. My friend, welcome to the final episode in our three-part series on self-sabotage. I'm so excited that you're here because we are talking all about solutions today to the nine different types of self-sabotaging tendencies and behaviors that we've been talking about for the last two weeks. So as much fun as it is to become aware of these self-sabotaging behaviors, I personally think that it's even more fun to dive into those mindset and tactical solutions on how to navigate these self-sabotaging behaviors. And I don't know if you connect to this or not, but I am 100% a solutions girl. Like, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm all for venting and complaining because it's totally necessary. You got to get that ish out of you, right? If you don't, it's like a beach ball (laughs) that you try to shove under the water. It's going to pop up and it's going to hit you in the face and it's not going to be fun, right? So I am all for the venting and the complaining. But for me personally, what feels even better than venting and complaining is flexing those critical and creative thinking muscles, right? So that we can find solutions to problems. I just love that process of figuring out how to navigate something. And maybe you do too. Um, because I don't think you listen to a podcast like this (laughs) if you didn't. But if you're feeling me on this, if you're a solutions girl too, can you do me a favor? Could you slide into my DMs on Instagram and give me the strawberry emoji so that it can be like kind of like a little secret handshake code thing (laughs) that we're on the same page? I don't know if that's weird or not, but it would be super fun. Just like open up my DMs and have like a bunch of strawberries. I think that would be super cool. So anyway, Random tangent. (laughs) We're all about solutions over here. Buckle on up. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So let's just get straight into it. But really fast before we do, because I got so excited and I nerded out completely (laughs) that I forgot to say, if you haven't listened to parts one and two of the self-sabotage series, you probably should pause this episode and go back. Because in those first two parts, I break down and explain the different ways that self-sabotage pops up for us. Um, There are nine specific ways and each of them are going to be different for each and every one of us because we are individual people in different stages and seasons of life and what self-sabotage looks like for me is totally going to look different for you than it is for your sister, for your best friend, for your coworker. Like it looks different for all of us. So if you haven't listened to parts one and two, go back and do that now. I linked both of those episodes below for you in the show notes. So that said, now (laughs) let's officially get into it. So number one is the stickler. And if you remember from part one of the self-sabotage series, the stickler is a form of self-sabotage that's all about perfectionism. So one of the ways that I've been working on this self-sabotaging perfectionist tendency, (laughs) wow, that's a mouthful, um, 
is to do a major mindset shift, like a huge mindset shift to change the meaning of imperfect. So for example, whenever I print a worksheet at school for my kiddos and it has a typo in the directions, I used to focus on how quote unquote bad that was and how embarrassed I felt that an English teacher made a typo like, oh my God, right? (laughs) (laughs) And not just an English teacher that made a typo, but I'm also a person who prides themselves on paying attention to the details and I failed to catch that, right? And I used to make that mean that it was bad and I was bad and OMG, how embarrassing, right? (laughs) But by intentionally shifting my focus away from the negative connotations of imperfect being bad or embarrassing, I have decided to intentionally redefine imperfect to just be a part of life, right? Humans make typos. Humans make mistakes. Humans are not always going to be perfect or perfectly together or to have all the answers, right? Being imperfect is actually quite normal, (laughs) quite natural, and inevitable, and it's more than okay. And I've really slowly started to wrap my mind around that fact and to truly believe it, that imperfect is not synonymous with disaster. And that has been huge for me. So if I make a typo at school on a worksheet or if I make a typo on an Instagram post, like whatever, right? I just think to myself like, yeah, I made a typo. Oh, well, like water off a duck's back, right? So instead of focusing on the tiny mistake, which is honestly truly minuscule in the real large picture of things, like (laughs) in our world, there's so much more, um, you know, so many more important things to worry about than a tiny little typo or a misplaced comma, right? Um, So instead of focusing on that tiny mistake, refocusing my attention on the super important message of the worksheet or the podcast episode or the Instagram post, like whatever it is, right? Focus on the message, focus on the lesson because that's what matters more. So by constantly catching myself in the moment and then reframing the meaning of imperfect from bad and embarrassing to just like no big deal, this is a natural thing, it's really helped my sense of self-worth and my confidence because I'm not beating myself up anymore for a mistake or an imperfection just simply because it's a part of life. Number two, hypervigilance. So just as a quick recap, this is a form of self-sabotage that's all about an anxious fixation, all about the things that could go wrong. So kind of catastrophizing, right? (laughs) Um, And so one of the really tactical ways that I have been working on this is challenging myself, really, really pushing myself to look for the good, to look for the positive, to find that silver lining every single time that I have that desire to catastrophize, right? So for every single negative thing that I might think about whatever situation, I have decided that I owe it to myself to find the positive, to find the good, to find that silver lining because that's how life works, right? It's not always going to be all good, all bad, all rainbows and sunshine or all rain and thunderstorms, right? We have that constant balance, the yin and the yang. It's going to go back and forth all the time, right? So for every negative, there has got to be a positive. That's just how it works, right? (laughs) Um, So just to share a quick example here, just recently I went into the chiropractor and for the first time ever, I had to get x-rays. Like that has never happened to me at a chiropractor before. And I think I've been to like, oh gosh, I went for the first time when I was 16 and then in grad school and then in 
Iowa. So like this is like the fourth, sorry, doing the math like in real time here with you. So like four chiropractors. I've been to four different chiropractors for neck and back problems. Um, And this was the first time that I had to get those x-rays, which was just kind of scary and kind of weird, kind of out of the norm, right? And through taking those x-rays, I found out that my hips are out of alignment and kind of like out of whack. And so they're twisting in a weird way, which has then made my spine start to go to the left. And then my neck (laughs) doesn't have the natural curve that the vertebrae in it should have. That's the best I can do for you. (laughs) If you're a chiropractor who listens in, seriously slide into my DMs and we should chat. Um, And I can get the terms and all the things correct. But that's my understanding of it. (laughs) And so when I found out all of this, my immediate thought was like, oh no, this is so bad. This is going to be so expensive. This sucks. Now Roger and I aren't going to be able to save money for a house or a kid. And, you know, I'm probably going to need surgery and this is going to be so bad and blah, 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 right? (laughs) Like my hypervigilant brain jumped immediately to the worst case scenarios of surgery and no money and all this medical debt, all this stuff, right? But as I sat there in the office on the table (laughs) waiting for him to give me the x-ray results, I was like, you know what? That all could happen. It might happen. It's a possibility, right? But number one, I don't know until I know. Like he hasn't even walked into the room to give me the results, right? My brain's already jumping to the worst case scenarios. And yeah, it stinks. But how awesome is it to start the process of healing and having a healthy spine and hips and neck, right? So the point here is that I allowed myself to catastrophize, to spiral down all the way to the bottom to the worst case scenario, which would be like surgery or something, right? And then to immediately, immediately look for the good, look for the positive, look for the silver lining and bounce back up because the 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 positives, looking for the good, all that kind of stuff helps us to not stay down too long with these hypothetical, you know, things that might or might not happen that are just going to add more stress and more torture to our lives, right? So really looking for the positive when you jump straight to the negative (laughs) is really helpful because you have to have that balance, right? For every bad thought, for every negative thought, there's got to be a positive. There's got to be a silver lining. And that has really, really helped. Number three, the controller. So as a quick recap, this form of self-sabotage is all about the anxiety-based need to take charge and to control situations. So one thing, a couple things actually, that have been really working for me is to shift my mindset once again with lots and lots of affirmations (laughs) Um, when I am experiencing that desire, that sort of like compulsion to take control when I really don't need to, right? So some of those um, affirmations are, um, you know, I am open to being able to delegate, right? Or just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong, or it doesn't have to be done totally by me, right? So those affirmations, especially when those controlling um, tendencies pop up, are really, really helpful, right? Something else that is really, really helpful (laughs) for me when I feel that desire to take control. So in the, I think it's in part one of this self-sabotage series, I shared that it's really difficult for me to like, let Roger, you know, load the dishwasher or to fold to fold the laundry or whatever it is, right? Um, so because I just feel like this desire to just take over, like, oh, you're doing it wrong. That's not how I would do it. And then I feel the need to control it or to like micromanage it, right? So one thing that's been really helping me is just to leave the space. Just leave. Leave the room. Don't be there. You will not feel as inclined to control it if you can't see it, 
right? And maybe that's silly, but that's something that's been really working for me. And then as I leave the space, I really make sure to focus on gratitude. The gratitude I have for Roger who is helping out, right? As I am in a new transitional season of life, right? Going from being a college professor to a high school English teacher, just really focusing on the gratitude I have for him that he's helping um, me when I'm, you know, still trying to navigate this, this new job and this new role, right? So just being so thankful, so grateful that he is helping out and it takes away from that desire to control it. Number four, the avoider. And if you recall from the earlier parts of this series, there are two different ways that the avoider self-sabotaging tendencies shows up. So it's either focusing on the positive and the pleasant all the time in an extreme way, or it's avoiding difficult and unpleasant tasks and conflicts. And so I I actually um, identify with the second one more than the first one, but I do want to share a solution for the first one as well. So if you focus on the positive and the pleasant all the time, avoiding those negative or bad feelings, just simply shift your mindset by reminding yourself that life is comprised, like we talked about earlier, of the good and the bad. And Someone who talks about this all the time is my friend and mentor, Keisha Get Mary, on her podcast, Empower Her, um, that we just, we need the contrast, right? We as human beings need that contrast. We need the highs and the lows to appreciate the highs, right? Life is going to be naturally comprised of both. So just remind yourself that to appreciate the highs, you also need the lows. And If this is something that you do struggle with, please, please, please make sure that you're doing this in a way that's safe and helpful and empowering for you. So if you tend to avoid those negative feelings or those negative emotions or just, you know, quote unquote bad things, make sure that you're processing all of that and dealing with it and digging into it with a therapist or someone that you trust. So that's that portion of the avoider. And then a solution that really works for me, because like I said, I more so identify with the avoiding the difficult and unpleasant tasks and conflicts. So what's been working for me with that is to, first of all, to make it more fun, (laughs) right? Um, To make whatever it is that I'm avoiding more fun. So if it's like cleaning, um, cleaning the apartment or dealing with the back-end business portion of PWH Publishing, try to make it more fun. Play some music, do it with a friend, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, get some help that way, like just, just making it fun, right? Because you don't want to do it. So you got to make it fun. Um, another thing that I like to do that really works for me is to get it out of the way. So if I have a big list of things that I'm doing, I would rather edit a manuscript than deal with the back end business portion. (laughs) So instead of doing the editing first and being like, oh, yep, I used up all my brain power today doing the editing, can't do the business side of things, right? Put the business stuff first. Then I have to deal with that and I'm going to get it done quicker so I can get to the fun portion, (laughs) which is um, the editing of the manuscripts, right? So really like rearrange stuff on the to-do list so that you're doing the least fun things first, right? And then another thing that works for me is, you know, if the big fun task or challenge or conflict that you're doing um, is going to take a while, make sure that there's some sort of reward lined up at the end. So you're like, okay, I'm going to tackle this thing I don't like to do. And then afterwards, we're going to the zoo or I'm going on a date or, you know, going to go to a vineyard for a wine tasting, like whatever it is, make sure that there's something fun lined up at the end so that you don't avoid the thing you don't want to do forever, right? 
Number five, restless. So this form of self-sabotage, just as a reminder, looks like searching for greater excitement in the next activity or just being in a constant state of busyness. So for me, one of the things that really, really helps um, is to be present where my feet are, right? Again, this is something that my friend and mentor, Keisha Get Mary, talks about all the time. Just find ways to be present in the moment. Tether yourself to the current moment. So one of the things that really helps me if I'm with friends or family or with my husband um, out on a date or just like in our house chilling, whatever, um, is to get rid of my phone, <laughs> get rid of my phone because it is such a distraction it just takes you immediately out of the moment where you just like it's just it's just a um like a oh what am I trying to say it's just like a natural thing to just reach for it even when someone else is talking or having a great conversation you just reach for it or it lights up and you get distracted right so tether yourself to the current moment like you know there might be something exciting happening in the internet world, <laughs> right? But focus on the here and now. Pull yourself back to the current moment. Um, get rid of your phone. Ground yourself in the current moment. What can you see, taste, touch, see, all of that kind of stuff. Just ground yourself in the current in the current moment and just be grateful for what you're currently experiencing and just know that the next thing will happen when the next thing happens, but the next thing is not happening right now. The current moment is happening right now. So just really focus on that and be be in the moment. Number six, pleaser. So as a reminder, this is a form of self-sabotage where you are trying to gain acceptance and affection by helping, pleasing, rescuing, or flattering others. And the the solution that helps me <laughs> the most with um, these people-pleasing tendencies is seriously to say no. And I know that's so hard. It's so hard. Again, I have linked Natalie Liu's book, The Joy of Saying No, in the show notes for you because it's so epic. It is so helpful. But saying no, <laughs> I think, is one of the, the most obvious and difficult answers or solutions to this self-sabotaging tendency. Um, it's hard, but it's so necessary because if you're always putting other people before you, it's making it impossible for you to be a human, for you to pursue your goals. So you got to find a way <laughs> to dig deep and to say no because you deserve it. I also think that um, another thing we can do when it comes to the pleaser form of self-sabotage is to set boundaries. How do you want to be treated? What are the parameters? Like all of that kind of stuff. Set some boundaries so that you have time and space to be a human, that you're not always serving others, that you are being selfish in the best way possible and pouring into yourself before you pour into other people. So if you, you know, promised a friend that you were going to help them move this weekend, but your back hurts and you're tired and a cold is coming on, cancel. Girl, you've got to cancel. <laughs> they will figure it out, right? Um, I've had other friends do that to me. I've done that to other people. Like, it's it's not a bad thing, right? It's not a selfish thing to take care of yourself. So say no, set some boundaries. You will never, ever regret it. I mean, you might feel a little guilty at first, but shove that guilt aside <laughs> because you deserve to say no. You deserve some boundaries because your health, your mental health, everything matters. Number seven, hyperachiever. And just as a reminder, this form of self-sabotage manages through constant performance and achievement for self-respect and self-validation. So this one requires some stillness. This is what has helped me 
um, before in the past. It requires stillness. It requires intentionality. It requires a lot of processing. And so for you, that might be a verbal processing with a friend or a therapist. For me, it was absolutely turning inward, getting quiet, sitting with my journal, and honestly sitting down and figuring out and hashing out what my sense of self-worth was separate from what I was achieving. And I actually do have a podcast episode on that that I will link below for you in the show notes as well. But just really taking the time to puzzle out and figure out what my self-worth was was absolutely crucial to navigating that hyper-achiever tendency of self-sabotage, right? And not only was figuring out what my own sense of self-worth was separate from what I achieved really, really helpful, it's also really, really helpful to sit down again, get quiet, go inward, and really think about like, why am I achieving these goals? Are they aligned? Who am I trying to impress? Am I doing this for me? Am I doing it for someone else? You know, or am I doing it because society or my parent or partner, whoever told me to, right? Like actually figuring out, do I want to be pursuing this, right? So that has also been really, really helpful for me in the past when um, struggling with the hyperachiever. And then last but not least, um, something else that's really helped me as well, because with the hyperachiever, we're sabotaging our own Um, health honestly by refusing to rest (laughs) so really making a schedule and including rest in that schedule I will also link this podcast episode below for you as well where I talked about the fact that achieving goals are kind of like a table right and one leg of the table is going to be productivity right with like the actual action items and then the other part the other um, leg of the table is rest we need the productivity with the rest in order to be successful We don't want to hustle our faces off to a detriment and then get to our goal and be like, oh my God, I'm exhausted and burnt out shells, struggling with my mental health, struggling with my physical health. Just like, what the heck was the point? We do not want to be thinking that when we get to the finish line, right? So those are just a couple of things that help me navigate the hyperachiever. Number eight, victim. And just as a recap, this type of self-sabotaging behavior looks like being temperamental and emotional as a way to gain affection and attention. And so we talked a lot in um, part two of this self-sabotage series about how victim mentality, victim mindset is very much so like, woe is me, why is this always happening to me, right? And one of the things that helps me when I go there, (laughs) when something doesn't go according to plan or I get a piece of criticism and I'm like, oh, like that stings and like, oh, like I suck type of attitude, right? Is to not stay there, right? Do not stay there. Do not stay down. Do not set up camp and build a house in woe is me-ville, right? (laughs) Nobody wants to live in woe is me-ville, right? So Feel your feelings, allow yourself to spiral, but do not stay there. Really, really work on your sense of resiliency. Build those resilience muscles so that when you get the feedback, you get the criticism, you, you know, have a little bit of a pity party moment, you don't have to stay there. You can build yourself back up, you can bounce back, you can crawl back, you can scratch your way back up to a standing position, right? Really invest in building those resilience muscles. Because if we don't, there is a very good chance (laughs) that we're going to throw in the towel on a relationship or a job or a goal that is actually aligned, right? And we don't want that. 
So then last but not least, we've got number nine, hyper rational. And so as you recall, this type of self-sabotaging behavior involves an intense and exclusive focus on the rational processing of everything. So one of the ways to navigate this is to just give yourself the time and space to feel. Don't push down those feelings because you know... (laughs) (laughs) what happens when we do that right it is a beach ball our feelings are a beach ball if you try to shove a beach ball down under the water it is going to pop back up it's going to hit you in the face your neck's going to snap back it's going to be a hot mess right so give yourself the time and space to feel challenge yourself to think from the heart to acknowledge what you're feeling because not everything has to make sense right? Not everything has to be quote unquote rational. We can have, you know, feelings of gratitude next to feelings of sadness. Like not everything has to make sense all the time. We can hold space for multiple emotions all the same time. Emotions are not irrelevant or useless. They are very, very important and they're a part of what makes us human. So, you know, to create that time and space, you could talk to a therapist, you could talk to a friend, or you could just journal it out. Really make time and space for your feelings. And that is it, my friend. We did it. We talked about some of the mindset and tactical solutions for nine of the different ways that self-sabotage can manifest in our lives. I cannot believe it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, anyway, I just want to be clear here as we wrap up this episode that these solutions are not an exhaustive list, okay? They are not an exhaustive list and they are not a one-size-fits-all. As always, no matter if it is my podcast, if it's another woman's podcast or another personal development book, like whatever it is, it's absolutely crucial, so, so, so crucial to take the solutions, to take the advice, whatever it is, and to tailor it. We've got to tailor it to our individual lives so that we can get the most out of these solutions and this advice, right? Because no advice, no solution is one size fits all. You've got to take it and tailor it to fit your life and your circumstances, right? So that said, I want to leave you today with this. It is our job as bold, brave, and beautifully smart and capable women to be aware of how self-sabotage shows up in our lives. Because once we know how we're specifically working against ourselves, we can then stop doing that and we can continue to step into a better, more enlightened version of ourselves. A version who's living a life that excites them. A life that makes us want to dance in the grocery store aisles kind of happy as we're headed for that almond milk or that spaghetti sauce or whatever, (laughs) right? It is tough work. It is tough work, but it is totally worth it. I love you. I believe in you. And even more so, I hope that you love and believe in yourself. And if you found this episode helpful in any way, I would love to know about it. So come find me on Instagram. Come say hi. You can find me at Marie. And like we talked about at the beginning of the episode too, Don't forget to send me that strawberry emoji if you are also a solutions girl, right? And if there's a solution that I didn't touch on in this episode that you, you know, use in your own life, I would love to hear about it. I really would love to hear about it. I would love to know about it. I would love to connect. Never ever forget, my friend, we are in this together. Have a great rest of your day and we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could either 
share it on social media, and tag me so that I can personally thank you for listening in. Or you could leave a review of the podcast to increase searchability of the power within her so that more women can listen in and grow with us. Either way, I am so grateful that you're here with me spreading the important message about critical thinking and self-empowerment.